Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Bill Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. My guest, Kathy Freston, is a wellness activist and writer with a focus on healthy eating and conscious living. She is a New York Times bestselling author of numerous books and has been featured on The Ellen Show and The Oprah Winfrey Show, as well as many others talking about how a plant-based diet can revolutionize your personal health and positively impact animals and the planet as well. In this interview, Kathy and I talk about her latest book, Clean Protein, which she co-wrote with Bruce Friedrich, the co-founder and executive director of the Good Food Institute, who I talked to back in episode three of this podcast. As the title implies, the book centers around why we need to choose cleaner sources of protein to combat our growing obsession with animal protein, which is not only damaging our health, but also the environment. Even if you think you know everything about protein and plant proteins, I can guarantee you will find this conversation incredibly interesting. Kathy starts off with discussing the problems with animal protein and what is clean protein. She then debunks many perceived health truths, such as whether or not plant proteins are complete or not. We also discuss the best sources of plant proteins, which sources have more protein than animal products, whether all plant proteins are created equal, and how plant-based meats and clean meats stack up against beans and lentils. Kathy also talks about the one nutrient that most Americans actually are deficient in and how to get more of it every day by opting for clean protein. In summary, this is a discussion about protein that ends all discussions about protein. Kathy shares her insights in an easy-to-understand way that will help you no matter how much or how little knowledge you have about nutrition. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Kathy Freston, thank you so much for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Kathy, you've written this uh, exciting new book with Bruce Friedrich on clean protein, and uh, we're going to get into all of that very soon. But before we do that, I have a bit of a confession. Uh, and the confession is that uh, I hate talking about protein. And oh. the reason I hate talking about protein is that people are a little too obsessed with uh, getting enough protein, and I think it's one of those things they need to be less concerned about. Um that being said, there is a problem with protein, and I think um, your book touches on this as well, but I think the problem is that in America, Americans consume an average of about 100 grams of protein a day, and 80% of that tends to come from meat, eggs, and dairy, so animal sources. And so the way I look at it, that 100 grams represents several pounds of corn and soybeans, which are used as animal feed, and that animal feed represents all the precious precious natural resources like land and water and fossil fuels. And then you have the environmental impact of that, like deforestation and water pollution and air pollution and greenhouse gas emissions, of course. So we are at a point where not only are Americans consuming 100 grams of protein, which is almost double the recommended amount, but now the developing world countries like China and India are increasing their animal protein consumption. So we are going to end up, if you continue eating this way, we're going to end up in a place where uh, we'll have devastating um, uh, ecological consequences of this way of eating, and not to mention health consequences as well. So where I want to start today is how did we get to the point where people are so obsessed with protein to begin with? Well, it all sort of boils down to money, doesn't it? I mean, this is an industry that has grown um, astronomically, you know, livestock, animal 
food, that is huge business. It's right up there with pharmaceuticals. So it's just like with any business, there is marketing to promote the need for more and more of it. And that need may or may not be truthful. And in this case, certainly it's not truthful. We don't need as much protein as we're being um, marketed to believe. But the fact is, <laughs> the great majority of people in this country do think they need uh, tons of protein. So I think it's important to speak into that. And I, you know, having been plant-based myself for over 12 years, I do get that question all the time, where do you get your protein? And there is the temptation to sort of roll your eyes and, you know, withdraw from the conversation thinking it's silly. But the truth is, it's an earnest question. I mean, people really have been fed this uh, idea that they need, they, they desperately need protein, more and more of it. So I think we have to kind of address that. We kind of have to address it with seriousness and, and respect and, and speak into it. And, um, and, you know, when I was interested in moving away from animal food myself, I had these concerns. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have no energy. I'm going to lose my muscle tone. I'm probably going to die early. So these were real concerns for me. And when people respectfully answered my questions and provided alternatives, I was so grateful. And I was hungry for that information. So the goal of this book is to respectfully address those uh, cares and concerns and assist the process of moving toward more sustainable protein. And and that's what the book is about. Yeah. And, you know, protein at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's saying is not essential. We, we need it. It's the building blocks mm -hmm. of uh, life. It gives us energy mm -hmm. and it has all these benefits. Um, Part of the reason, and I think um, you probably would agree, is that part of the reason people may be so obsessed is it's cultural. We've been um, kind of f led to believe that protein equals masculinity, power, power over, and control over nature, uh, our yeah. ability to you know farm animals and use them to create protein. So all of that, and also protein used to be scarce, so it was something limited to those who had money. Um, and mm -hmm. over the years, of course, that's, uh, you know, thanks to subsidies and, and other things, proteins become cheaper and cheaper. And now we're at a point where what must what kind of led us to this place no longer is true. Um, and mm -hmm. we do have other options out there. And I think, um, you know, what you're doing with this book and in general with the message that you've been um, promoting for the last several years is getting people to understand we need to rethink what the sources may be. We're not diminishing yeah. the importance of protein. We just think it can come from better sources. Exactly, exactly. And and it can come from better sources, and that's that's the exciting thing. And and you know, Bruce, my Bruce Friedrich, my co-author, who started the Good Food Institute. That's what their whole mission is: is to get more of these products out there, more healthy. Uh, protein-based products, plant-based products to displace animal food. So it's a, it's an exciting time we're living in. Yeah. So let's talk about you know animal protein. From a you know I kind of touched on it at a high level. What the sort of um, environmental impacts or mm -hmm. the way I put it sometimes the logical impacts of eating too much mm -hmm. animal protein is we'll end up in a place right. where we can't feed the world. What about right. the the health problems with consuming animal protein. Is animal protein inherently problematic? Well, I think we have to look at the protein package, what Harvard calls the protein package. So what comes along with that protein? So for instance, how much cholesterol is, uh, comes along with the protein? And is that is that kind of protein inflammatory to the body? How many pathogens or antibiotics might be lurking within the tissue? What kind of damage did the making of that protein do to our land or our water? Does it add to climate change? Um, so these these are the questions that we want to consider, you know, when we're looking at animal protein. They Animal protein definitely has, you know, cholesterol, lots of cholesterol, saturated fat, uh, protein that has been proven to be inflammatory to the body, tough on the um, kidneys, uh, clogs the arteries, 
um, creates obesity, type 2 diabetes, certain kinds of cancer. This is all very uh, well established from um, multiple studies in the fields of nutrition and, and cancer and heart disease and all of that stuff. So that's the stuff that we want to look at with our choice of what kind of protein we're going to consume. Because, you know, over the years, uh, it, it's it's kind of sad because the body is an amazing machine. It can it can really take a lot of abuse. <laughs> so a lot of the the issues that come along with animal protein may not show up for decades. You know, heart disease is in the making, but it may not show up. Cancer may be in the making, but it may not show up until your 50s or 60s. And, you know, we should be living into our 90s. You know, our body is programmed. We can live... Uh, to easily into our 90s, but uh, we take decades off the table when we consume animal protein throughout our lives. And I think it's it's hard as human beings to look that far into the future. And, and you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, I shouldn't eat something because it's going to make me gain weight and I can see the difference right away. But what's happening deep inside of our bodies um, is is it's pretty scary when we mm-hmm. think about it. And so uh, you have to look at all this very reputable science and we, we've researched it exhaustively. It's all in the book it was, um, with um, references to where you can find the studies. And, and then what is better about clean protein? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what, what the alternative is. You know, I, what I really liked about the book was um, you don't just talk about health. You also talk about um, why this is an, a kind of a issue that connects to humanity in general and the future of humanity. So, for example, if you know a lot of people tend to criticize the moment you tell them here are the problems with animal protein, they quickly point to perhaps the fact that you can get uh, grass-fed beef or. Uh, what about people who go hunt their own food? And, you know, those forms of protein potentially have less problems than uh, animal protein mm-hmm. that's obtained from factory farms that is, you know, that are mm-hmm. where the animals are pumped with uh, antibiotics and hormones. Um, mm-hmm. So even, you know, th- the bottom line is the majority of meat that is consumed today um, is from factory farms. But did you look yeah. into that issue as well? Or, or your point of view is that since the majority of the world is consuming animal protein that comes from factory farms, let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, we did. We looked at everything, and and certainly it's it's uh, less problematic in terms of um, the environment and cruelty to have grass-fed beef. But you know, the vast majority of people are not going to opt for that for a lot of reasons. It's not available, it's too expensive, and there's not enough land on the entire earth to support that kind of agriculture for people to keep eating meat the way that they're eating it. There's just not enough land. Um, so the answer is not to shift to the kind of uh, animal food that's been raised in a certain way, but the focus should be rather on moving away from animal foods toward plant-based foods or clean meat, which we talk about in the book as well. But um, yeah, so it really, it, you know, I think it's it's human nature to sort of look for an easy way. And, and I know that when I was making my transition, I had the best of intention by saying, well, I'm only going to eat, you know, uh, grass-fed beef or, you know, things that were animals that were not grown in horrible conditions. But it's kind of a nice intention, but it's still, you, you don't usually follow up on that intention and it just kind of makes you feel good for the moment, but it just keeps you in your same pattern of of eating excessively um, animal foods. So I think that the focus should be rather on moving toward cleaner protein um, rather than the way the animal was raised. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, no, I was just going to say, you know, one of my best friends is Chinese and she grew up very poor. And, you know, you were talking about how India and China are moving toward uh, more animal protein. And she, she grew up very poor, eating mostly vegetables and soy and, and rice. And once a year, she was able to uh, with her family, they would roast a pig's head outside on this 
baked pit, and that, that was their sort of celebratory meal. And so now that she is living in the States and she has money for her, it's very hard to get her, her head around not you know, consuming animal protein because it seems like a reward for finally making it in in life. And so we're we're you know we're 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 dealing with you know lots of uh, people who were previously um, poor moving into the middle class and able to afford you know food that they prefer, which means uh, a lot of animal foods. Which and you can't have those animal foods. The massive amount that's being consumed and that's going to be consumed without factory farms. I mean, mm-hmm. factory farms, that's just a fact of supplying that kind of demand. So again, we want to we want to move away from that, like trying to uh, decide what is a better kind of clean animal food and just move toward plant-based foods or yeah. clean meat. Yeah, I think that's a very crucial point that you, you highlighted over there because... Um, you know, I, I often, when we talk about this, um, I get the question, so are you just anti-meat? And is that the reason why you are um, promoting um, the innovation in the plant-based food industry? And I, I don't think it really is a question of anti-meat. And, you know, yes, as you clearly articulated, meat does inherently have some con- problems that could be concerning from a health standpoint. Um, we also have to, you know, even if someone could afford to buy um better meat, um, that is going to be a small section of the population that can even afford it, and most likely in certain parts of the world, mostly the West. Um, So maybe at an individual level, someone might be able to procure better meat from a sustainability standpoint, if that's what they care about, maybe from a health standpoint. Maybe they can go hunt their own meat, but again, that's not something everyone is doing. Um, So Mm -hmm. if you step back, and I think that's what you really highlighted right now, is that if you step back from our little individual worlds that we live in, whether in uh, wherever in the U.S., meat's mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, you don't have to hunt for it unless you want to. Um, mm-hmm. And you step back from that and you look at the global picture. You look at, this is a question of feeding the world um, and feeding the world in a way that uh, is uh, most sustainable for uh, not just our natural resources and um, our uh, oceans and the forests, but most sustainable for human populations. And I think that's the crucial part a lot of people miss in this argument, that it isn't necessarily about us over here in the West all the time. Yes, we should make the best possible choice we can, but what is the best possible choice for the entire planet? And that is pretty clear that it can't be factory farming and it can't be animal protein. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm from Georgia. I'm from Doraville, Georgia. I was just home for the holidays. And, um, you know, you drive, and as, so you drive through through rural Georgia um, as you drive through, you know, a lot of places in, in the country and in the world, people aren't necessarily thinking of, you know, how do I get my, my uh, cleaner protein? They're just wanting what tastes good, what they've generally heard is good for them, which is protein, 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 and they want it to be cheap. Mm-hmm. So we have to think about it. It's, it's like, you know, for us to be high-minded and decide what kind of animal protein. No, let's focus our energies. And because I know there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Let's focus our energy on how to make protein clean, affordable, tastes good, ubiquitous. That's going to be the game changer. We don't have time to mess around. You know, we don't have time to parse apart like, oh, what kind of, you know, uh, animals better to eat. Let's just figure out how to make uh, available really good, clean protein. That there's no argument that this stuff is good for you. Whether it's alternative meats, whether it's um, bean-based things, whether it's uh, you know whole grains, or whether it's clean meat grown in a in a brewery. But we have to get busy on making this stuff available and and inexpensive. So. Because, like you said, I mean, the the population is exploding. We 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 don't have time to mess around. <laughs> yeah, we have seven point three billion. Will be ten, almost ten billion by twenty fifty. Yeah. You know, yeah. we we can't sit and and uh, argue. We need to work in solutions. So let's talk about the solution. Let's talk about mm-hmm. um, what is good about clean protein and and what is clean protein. 
So clean protein is protein that is uh, largely uh, absent of uh, saturated fat, doesn't have cholesterol, it doesn't have pathogens like E. coli, salmonella, it doesn't have um, antibiotics, uh, it doesn't have drug residues. These are all things that are in the old kinds of protein in animal protein. So clean protein is uh, made from things that are grown in the ground or on trees. It's plant-based. And so not only does it have an absence of all of these other toxins and drugs and problems, but it's full of fiber. So fiber is just that sort of miraculous thing that's inherent in plant-based foods. And it acts like a scrub brush in your body. It pushes the gunk and the toxicity out of your body. It keeps your weight down by keeping your belly feeling full. Your blood sugar is steady because it slowly disperses the glucose throughout your body. So you, you know, have a nice steady stream of it. Um, So if your protein has fiber in it, it's clean. If your protein doesn't have fiber in it, it's not clean. Animal protein has zero zilch fiber. Plant protein has tons of fiber. And that's the question we as Americans should be asking instead of, hey, where do you get your protein? It should be, hey, where do you get your fiber? <laughs> that's, that's the thing that's going to prevent obesity and type 2 diabetes and cancer and heart disease. But we're not talking about that. So we want to bring that into the question and we want to remember that clean protein has fiber, lots of fiber. Right. I mean, you're so right about that. But, you know, there still seems to be so many myths. Let's talk about plant-based proteins to begin with. A lot of people are very confused about plant-based proteins. There's this um, uh, misconception that plant proteins are inferior or not complete. There's also a misconception Mm -hmm. that if you're going to eat plant proteins, you're probably eating tofu or soy all day or wheat gluten mm. all day. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I have a you know a friend of, of mine who is not, uh, who eats meat and his family eats meat as well, um, mm-hmm. who's very concerned about the environmental impacts. And I had a conversation with him a while back and he was asking me, well, what are the best plant proteins to switch to? And I gave him a long list, uh, obviously. Uh, and then he came back with a question saying, well, that's fine for us, but I'm really worried about my kids because they need more protein mm-hmm. and they're growing. So how do we mm-hmm. how do we tackle those um, misconceptions, myths that are still prevalent out there? And you know what? They're going to keep coming because this is an interested industry. <laughs> they're, they're interested in uh, muddying the waters with sort of pseudoscience and half half right science, like half... There's enough of it that is right that will convince people that this, you know, that the study is to be believed. So, you know, we have organizations like the Physicians Committee for Responsible Responsible Medicine, PCRM. You've got people like Dr. Michael Greger. And so, you know, it, it's just important to keep sharing links to real credible studies through PCRM or through nutritionfacts.org or um, and just keep um, disabusing people of these nutritional myths like that you have to combine foods in order to get all the proper amino acids. As long as we're eating, you know, a fairly diverse diet, which means whole grains and beans and vegetables, you'll get all the amino acids you need over the course of a few days, even a week. You don't need to sit down and um, do it all in one meal, like make sure I'm having a corn tortilla with my beans so that I get the proper mix of amino acids. That happens to be a perfect meal, you know, corn tortilla with some beans, but it it doesn't have to be. You know, if you're eating just plain old beans, if you're having oatmeal, uh, tomorrow morning for breakfast, and you're having uh, lentil soup for lunch today. That's that's it. Your get your body's going to synthesize. Uh, your body's going to work with all of those amino acids and and combine them in the right way. So there's not a problem with that. And you know, as far as kids go, there 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 are tons of doctors who know better, but there are lots of them that don't. And you just we have to be information sharers. We have to be relentlessly um, sharing. Like, I hope that when people finish the book, Clean Protein, that they'll give it to someone else and that it will be passed around because 
um, the science is very credibly cited, and and we hope that um, that people just continue to share the information. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the information is out there, but you're you're so right that you know for every new study that that clearly outlines what you just said, which is that you know plant protein is basically the same as animal protein. Um, right. there'll be enough of other people sharing other kinds of information that contradict that. So, you know, that's right. just the nature of, uh, of, um, online media today. And I think, um, we just have to keep, keep doing on what we're doing. We just have to keep sharing. And, and also, you know, proof is in, in the physique, the more, you know, athletes are turning plant-based and they're excelling in their game um, you know, uh, actors who look beautiful or strong, who, you know, tout their success to being plant-based. The, the culture is changing and, you know, the crowd will sort of drag along the stragglers. I mean, there, there's certainly people who will go kicking and screaming and believing what they believe. But I think the proof is in looking around and seeing the most vibrant, healthy strong people on this kind of uh, eating regime. I think, I think it becomes self-evident, you know, who, who's, who's the one who are, who's not getting sick, who has, you know, finishing the race first, all, all of this stuff really makes a difference in the culture. And that um, that's happening. Yeah. You know, you're right about that, but you know, let's play, I'm going to try to play devil's advocate for a second, not really devil's advocate, more about, the reality of what happens when people, you know, understand that animal protein is a problem and then they say, all right, great, I'm going to not consume this anymore. I'm going to consume less of it. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that ends up happening is that people, or maybe this does happen, or maybe people try to try to make us seem like that's what happens, but people quit animal protein or cut, cut down on it and replace that with refined carbs. So, if you're not eating meat, you should be eating more bagels and pasta. And then mm. people end up, uh, or maybe eating uh, uh, donuts. Uh, and people mm -hmm. end up in another end of the spectrum where you're suddenly eating more, you're not eating animal protein necessarily, but you're still consuming right. processed food. So I guess my question would be, if you are telling people animal protein um, isn't that great for you? It's not that great for the planet. It's not great for the future of humanity. We should switch right. to clean protein. Should that be wrapped within some broader adv advice on how Absolutely. we should have a balanced diet? Absolutely. We need we need to talk about where we where we're getting good protein, where where we're getting our our uh, phytonutrients, our antioxidants. Why it's essential that we're not eating um, refined carbs, but rather opting for complex carbs, whole grains, um, as as I've heard you say, clean carbs. And I, I I think it's really important that we take responsibility and invite people over to our homes and show how healthy food can taste great. Because it's true, it's it's very easy. I mean, and it's confusing when you first move toward a plant based diet you're confused. You don't know what to eat. So, you know, oh, potato chips, nothing animal in there. Okay, I can have that. Pretzels, fantastic. I can have that. Oh, there's a good uh, cashew-based ice cream. I can have that. That's good. And before you know it, you have put on weight. You don't have the energy. Your skin is not good. So it's as with any kind of diet, whether it's meat or no meat, you have to pay attention to eating um getting your nutrients and eating healthy and not opting for, you know, the lowest hanging fruit, um, as it were. But that's, that's, a, it's a learning curve. And that's why I'm a big believer in leaning into it. Because if I think when people just say, okay, that's it, I'm not going to eat any more animal products, I'm going to go plant based, I'm going to just, you know, leap right into it. They, it's confusing. It's overwhelming. We don't know how to shop. We don't know how to order. We don't know which restaurants to go to. What do I say at a dinner party? What if I'm at an event? How do I travel? All this stuff is, it's real because mm -hmm. we've been eating a certain way our whole lives. And it's, it's, it, it may seem easy enough to you or me because we've been doing it for so long, but I can tell you when I first, you know, considered the idea of someone of being someone who didn't eat animal foods I was like my head was spinning I didn't know what I was going to eat and so that's why I think it's really important that we um 
we're respectful with people when they're trying to learn about good food and how to do it and that we don't um, add to the pressure or judgment and just sort of assist people in seeing what kind of food is healthy, complex carbs, whole grains, um, really beautiful rainbow colors of fruits and vegetables, and, um, and sharing that information. Because otherwise, it's hard when you travel. It's hard to eat healthy. Yeah. I, 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 I have a little hard time when people say, oh, do it. It's easy. It's not easy. Not if you're, you know, traveling all over the place, podunk places, or you're on a busy schedule. So, mm-hmm. so we need to sort of be patient with people. And that's why Bruce and I laid out a plan in the book. We have all kinds of tips and um, meal plans and shopping lists and ideas on how and recipes on how to make super simple things that are protein rich. Um, But I think it's a matter of making life easy for people. Yeah, you're so right about that. I mean, you're talking about, you know, I I ate meat most of my life. Um, I've, I've not been eating it for only the past seven years. And the switch is a little tough, if, if, even if you're cutting down, because what you're doing for most people is taking out 80% of what's on your plate and what's right. right in the middle of your plate, which fills you up more than everything else on the side of the plate. And when you take that out, what are you going to replace that with that kind of meets mm-hmm. the same, like kind of fills you up and also gives you all the right nutrition? It is very yeah. confusing. And the sad reality, though, is even if you eat healthy on an um, animal protein diet, which I sort of did before, that switch is still confusing to make because you now have to find healthy replacements that give you all that, um, the same nutrition. Um, but the sad reality in America is majority of people are eating a diet that's not only full of um, dirty protein or refined protein, but also refined carbs, refined fats in the form of uh, processed oils and then mixed with uh, a lot of sugar and salt. Now, transitioning that into something better, yes, you have to start somewhere. And a good place to start is um, is clean protein for sure. But uh, I think I have a good idea for your next book. It could be clean uh, clean fats and clean carbs. because <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. You know, that's, that's great, how really, do you fill the whole plate? It is really important to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. How do you fill your whole plate? So let's talk about, you know, if someone... Um, kind of um, is is interested in making um, a switch or trying out uh, clean protein, what are some of your go-to sources of, of clean mm-hmm. protein? What what are the best places you would send people to try first? What kind of foods? Well, I, I'll, I'll talk about what the easiest thing is first, just because um, because I grew up in the South and because I love traditional foods like um, you know, chicken and mashed potatoes, and I love burgers, and I love sausages, and um, you know, all kinds of pizza and stuff like that. Um, not that that's healthy food at all, but I will say that the meat alternatives that are out there now and available are so good and getting better all the time. So no, they're they're not uh, rice and beans. It's not like the perfect thing. But I think as you begin to transition and as you uh, move away from animal foods, there's an emotional tug toward the traditions that you grew up loving. It was for me. It's like I want a freaking burger, <laughs> you know, and I don't want a black bean burger because it falls apart. So knowing that the Beyond Burger is out there or the Impossible Burger or even the, you know, Sunshine Burger, if you want a healthier version, are out there. And you can put it between a bun and it's a whole grain bun and you pile on some avocado and lettuce and tomato and onion. Then you're going to feel like you're not missing out in life because I have a lot of friends who actually moved away from animal food and felt isolated in their lives. They felt like they were just missing out and they just felt like they were alone. So I would say, you know, there's a lot of purists in this movement that say it should be all super duper healthy food. And I would say that that meat alternatives like veggie burgers and sausage and meat crumbles and stuff like that. Yes, they're a bit processed, but in the same way that bread or pasta is processed from grains. Mm -hmm. So plant-based meats have a lot, just as much protein and sometimes more than animal meats, but they have zero cholesterol, very little saturated fat, and they still have lots of fiber to push through your system and thus keeping it cleaner. So I would say that's an easy one to sort of Uh, start displacing the old sources of protein. 
And then I would go, you know, my whole process is leaning in. So you lean toward a diet that you want to have, lean toward the person that you want to be. And so as you get healthier, you find your footing, you realize, okay, I'm not starving. I, I still feel full. I still feel part of my community. I'm enjoying traditions. Now I'm going to experiment a little bit more and I'm going to start looking into beans, for example. So, you know, beans have been staples around the world for most of human history. And that's because they're cheap, they're versatile, they're delicious, and they're also super high in protein. They have fiber, they have iron, antioxidants. And, you know, I don't think that people from ancient cultures thought a lot about it, but they happen to be low on the glycemic index. They're mm -hmm. gluten-free. They're associated with lower cholesterol, balanced blood sugar, and they're good for your digestion. So I would say that, you know, once you kind of uh, explore the grocery shelves and see what kind of beans look good to you, I, I have probably... 10 kinds. I have orange lentils, green lentils, black-eyed peas, chickpeas, Christmas beans. There's something called trout beans we just got at the farmer's market. There's all kinds of beans that are amazing and start, you know, making instead of having the uh, the burrito with chicken, have a burrito with black beans. Instead of having the, you know, chili with meat, have the chili with um, with some other kind of bean. And so that's my, that's my favorite source of protein. And um, and then nuts. Nuts are kind of a miracle food. They're also very high in protein. They're um, packed with complex carbohydrates and fiber. They don't know why, but studies show, or they, they're not entirely sure why, but the studies show that people who eat nuts tend to not only maintain a healthy weight, but lose weight if they need to. And they're not sure if it's because they're so chock full of fiber that it, they fill you up and therefore you're not eating other unhealthy things, or if it's because it takes your body more energy just to digest them, so it's burning off more calories um, than if you weren't eating them. But um, anyway, they're just they they they're associated with a decreased likelihood of contracting heart disease, cancer, diabetes. So you want to be just enjoying nuts and nut butters all day long. I, I eat nuts in the morning on my oatmeal. I have chopped walnuts or almonds, and then I put um, a big old heaping tablespoon of nut butter into a, a smoothie. I have them later on, just a handful as a snack. I have them sprinkled into salads. So it's it's just a nice, easy way to get delicious, clean protein. Wow, that's great. And, and this, and that you have a third one, of course. <laughs> Oh, I have tons. <laughs> I have tons. I, I don't mean to just mouth off constantly. I just, I just, uh, yeah, no, I have a lot. Now, and on the beans, I mean, beans at the end of the day, pound for pound, compare beans to beef and, and they win. Um, and, you know, yeah. from a sustainability standpoint, also the probably the best thing you can eat is lentils and, and chickpeas, perhaps, um, and get that yeah. as your source of protein. Um, Did you, you know that one cup of lentils has 18 grams of protein yeah. in it? 18 <laughs> grams and tons of fiber. And mm -hmm. one egg only has six grams of protein. And most people eat eggs not because they taste good, because they taste kind of bleh. Um, they eat <laughs> eggs because they think it's protein. Yeah. So one, one, if you, and the, Roughly half is in the yolk and half is in the white. So it's not even that full of protein where lentils is just a powerhouse yeah. of protein. Plus, you've got all that fiber, so it fills you up and, you know, keeps your digestion regular. And it's it's just um, one of those miracle things. You know, Dan Butner, who's the founder, uh, he's a National Geographic explorer, and he is the founder of the Blue Zones, which are populations around the world who live the longest and are the healthiest. And he said one of the things that runs through all of these populations is that they eat beans every day. Mm -hmm. And the best thing you can do to increase your longevity is to add in a cup of beans, at least a cup of beans a day. Yeah. So. I love that book. And I think, you know, that's an important, uh, that study is so crucial because uh, it highlights that, um, you don't have you can consume carbohydrates which generally have got this bad rap over the last few years um you can mm -hmm. you can consume carbohydrates as long as you consume complex carbs there's nothing wrong with 
eating sweet potatoes. There's uh, absolutely nothing wrong with uh, consuming grains if if your body tolerates them. Um, and I think that what gets lost in these tribal arguments between uh, people who love eating meat and uh, those who believe that eating meat is not good for several reasons is that you, if you can basically um, choose healthier forms of carbs and healthier forms of fats, um, mm -hmm. and of course, healthier forms of proteins, um, you would be better off. And even the blue zones, most of the places they consume protein, but from animal sources, but small amounts and some very little. So um, I think that's a crucial point to bring out. And, um, you know, what I think is inter interesting is if you actually had to compare the nutritional profile of beans, um, and I, I know we're totally um, geeking out on beans right now, but uh, if you com you compare the nutritional <laughs> yeah. profile of beans to to beef and you actually stack them up next to each other, you'd be able to see which are those quote-unquote yeah. dirty ingredients really in uh, in the animal yeah. protein, which is the cholesterol, the saturated fat, and the things that they yeah. lack, which is, as you pointed out, fiber. Um, yeah. But I do want to go back to one of the earlier points you mentioned. You started off talking about plant-based meats and um, you know, I'm a big supporter of uh, the plant-based meat movement and the new companies in the space. Um, and I mm -hmm. love the products myself. Um, and I've asked this question to CEOs of some of those companies as well is, but what about the fact that some of those products are processed? They do tend to have um, uh, refined oils or processed oils, mm -hmm. for example, in them. Um, mm -hmm. You can't, you know, if you had to compare clean proteins against each other, beans would win against them for some, for very mm -hmm. clear reasons, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you typically tell people? Would you, would you advise someone to eat, um, and I'm not going to name brands, but would you mm -hmm. advise someone to eat a X plant-based burger? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're talking about progress, not perfection. And if we want to, if, you know, I think really the perfectionism is the enemy of the good, because if we want everything to be perfect right away, it ain't going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, when I started moving, you know, uh, away from animal foods, if you told me I had to sit down and eat tempeh and rice and vegetable, it just wouldn't happen. I would be just so... Uh, I, I would feel like at, at a loss, my mm -hmm. identity, you know, my, my my comfort, my connection with my family, with my community, and I just wanted to feel full. <laughs> I don't know if it's an American thing or what, but we like big meals and we like to, yeah. you know, consume hearty food and feel full. I don't want to be hungry. And so I think that uh, to expect someone to eat, you know, just whole grains or sweet potatoes and vegetables and salad, it, it, that's an unfair thing. And I think that the goal is to be better and better. And it's all about leaning in and, you know, progress, not perfection, yeah. and to enjoy your life. You have to enjoy this. It has to be a fun endeavor. You have to feel good about your life. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel good about my life if I'm just eating a bowl of, you know, healthy stuff all the time. I, that's what I my, usually do. I usually eat really healthy food. Mm -hmm. But it's Friday night and I'm going to go out and I'm going to have a burger and fries and a martini, you know, that's okay. And I think that we, we, we as a culture have to make room for progress and really appreciate progress. But I, I love these plant-based meat alternatives. I think they're fantastic. And, you know, I, as much as I love Michael Pollan and what he's done for uh, this, this, sort of awakening around animal food, this whole, you know, eat the way that your grandmother did and, and foods that she would recognize. Mm -hmm. It's a different world now. You know what I mean? It's, it's now we know how that ham became a ham. Now we know how that, you know, uh, food caused climate change. Now we know what that ham, you know, is addictive in the, in, because it's so fatty and we get, we get used to it. So, yeah. I I I love plant-based meats. I think they're they're just as much protein, zero cholesterol, and lots of healthy fiber. I'm I'm all for them. Yeah, and you know, I think of it as um, I look at if you look at uh, what is in the spectrum of clean protein, right? One you have at the top of the list, and I'm I, I think it's okay to, for us to even say this because um, 
it is the reality. You have you have the whole foods at the top of the list, whether it's beans, lentils, nuts, and other things. You perhaps have plant-based meats as the second tier, um, not because they're inferior, but because they're not as healthy as the first tier. Um, mm-hmm. And perhaps you have uh, clean meat, which we haven't really gotten into, but it's, you know, I know it's in the very early stages of development. Clean meat, which is essentially meat produced in a lab um, or a brewery or whatever it's going to be called, um, that is exactly like uh, animal meat, except uh, without um, raising and slaughtering an animal. And I would put clean meat on at, and let me tell me if you agree with me, clean meat would be in tier three because it won't have the antibiotics and the hormones, which will make it cleaner mm-hmm. than animal mm-hmm. meat or real animal meat from uh, a farm. But yep. it still tends, it will have the cholesterol, the saturated fat, yep. unless they engineer it out eventually. Um, yep. Yep. So you're right. It is third tier. And, but th- there's a whole lot of people, again, take a drive through our country, through the countryside. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority of people aren't caring really about all of that. So they just want it to taste good. They need, they need, and bless them. I mean, we're, we're the people are working hard. They're busy, you know, they don't have the time to pick and choose and, you know, spend money on, on, uh, healthier options. They just want something that's accessible and protein rich. So clean meat mm-hmm. for the people who are always going to eat meat, you know, whether it's at fast food or out at restaurants or, or, or whatever it is, clean meat is a fantastic solution. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. It yeah. will have cholesterol. It will have saturated fat, but it won't have all the drug residues. It won't have those antibiotics. It won't have the cruelty. It won't have the environmental fallout. So mm-hmm. um, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, and that's what I think is amazing about this uh, new food movement um, and the progress we're making is that this is it it fits within sound health ad- advice that's also aligned with sound environmental advice, which is mm-hmm. if you want to be healthy and save the planet, here's what you have to do. Eat mostly whole foods. If you feel like having a burger, choose a plant-based burger or choose clean meat. Or if you feel like mm-hmm. eating ham and sausages, choose the better option. But for the most exactly. part, eat try to eat plants. So it's almost like if if I could... If I was a healthy person today who ate meat, all I would have to do is replace the the little meat I hopefully consume with plant-based or clean meat options. And most importantly, I think the point that you brought up is for parts of the country where the only option, as I said, sadly, the American diet in most parts of the country is a diet of bad protein, bad carbs, and bad fats, mm-hmm. if yeah. you could walk into a fast food, whether it's McDonald's somewhere in Iowa or anywhere in the country, mm-hmm. and choose that uh, Big Mac. And that that patty was clean meat versus um, what is uh, now, which is factory farm meat and all kinds yep. of other garbage in it. Or even a yep. plant-based uh, uh, burger that's made by Beyond Meat or Impossible Foods or another some other company mm-hmm. that comes around. And mm-hmm. the the veggies are whole are are good and organic. Hopefully, um, mm-hmm. you already have made a significant leap in the positive direction for that person's health, mm-hmm. and undoubtedly yeah. for the planet's health. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's that's the whole. That's how progress happens by incremental change, little bits of incremental change, better and better, and then there's the occasional leap forward, and so you just do the best that you can. Perfect. I mean, and people who want to be extra healthy, go for it. I mean, some days I love mm-hmm. to be super healthy and, and some days mm-hmm. I really crave a burger. Um, yeah. At least now I know I have options. Exactly. You know, exactly. I I often tell people I love meat, which is why I'm so obsessed with this new industry oh. that's developing yeah. solutions that I can uh, consume as well. And that also solves the planet's problem. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win, especially for families, because it's like mm-hmm. you and I can sort of you know, it, we're we're adults. We can make decisions and say, well, I really should have this. You know, I should really opt for this. But what if you're in a family? What if you have a spouse who just is absolutely insistent on their favorite, you know, uh, traditional dishes? What if you have kids who, you know, are going to school and seeing, you know, their friends having burgers and sausages? This is a way that keeps the whole family feeling good and on track and moving in a positive direction. So that's a good thing. I just want to say one of my other favorite 
sort of discoveries for clean protein out there is pastas that are made from black beans or lentils. Mm -hmm. There's pasta made from tofu. And they are so good because I know I, 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 I don't know many people who don't love pasta. It's just sort of, <laughs> you know, it's just such a comfort food. So now there's all these high protein pastas out there. And, and I would, I just love them. I have that once a week, at least I have a, you know, black bean pasta or lentil pasta, something like that. And most of them you get up to 25 grams of protein in a serving. So that's pretty darn good. Yeah, I've been, uh, I think chickpea pasta also qualifies, I suppose, from a protein standpoint. I I love uh, chickpea pasta. That's what I've been trying recently. So um, Delicious. Great option. So I want to sort of go back to where we kind of started out in the beginning. You know, I asked you about um, uh, people's obsession with protein. And um, Mm -hmm. the reality is, you know, as we we discussed, that that is the world we live in and it's we've gotten Mm -hmm. here somehow. Um, What it's end up ended up doing is you have this, um, and I have to ask this because a huge part of the protein industry besides just um, meat and dairy is the sports nutrition category, which is, mm-hmm. I've, I read recently, is expected to be worth about $20 billion by um, 2020. So that's, um, mm-hmm. you know, everything from protein powders, energy bars, mm-hmm. uh, gels, and um, um, mm-hmm. other products. Now, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a huge uh, opportunity for food companies in this space, mm-hmm. and rightfully so, a lot of uh, plant-based food companies are stepping into that um, arena and offering plant-based versions of uh, protein powders and uh, right. energy sub- gels. And yes, if you're an athlete, perhaps you need to consume some of this, but as you and I know, and most people should know, most people who go to work every day and don't uh, are not very active in running marathons don't need to be um, consuming the excessive protein that's in mm-hmm. some of these powders and bars. Mm-hmm. I guess my question to you is, if you had to give advice to um, a, ve- a food startup that's developing vegan protein powders and energy bars, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. probably targeted to athletes, but knowing that it's going to be consumed by a lot of people who just sit at a desk all day, Right. What kind of uh, advice would you give them to be, you know, responsible when it comes to clean protein as well? Well, you know, I'm not an athlete by any, you know, serious measure, but I have a protein smoothie almost every day. A lot of us, we just work really hard. We're super busy. We don't necessarily have time to think about where we're going to go for lunch or we haven't cooked anything or ran out of leftovers or whatever. So protein powders are really wonderful. It's an excellent uh, nutritional fix for the day. And I, I, I love the, um, the protein but I also love getting vegetables in it. So it's kind of a nice way to throw some frozen broccoli into it, some frozen blueberries, a frozen banana, you know, some nut butter, all of that stuff. So I would say to entrepreneurs that, you know, um, let's keep it clean with the sugar because it's pretty easy to make something taste good with a lot of um, sweeteners. So to keep it uh, healthy on the glycemic index to, consider what is good on the environment, um, you know, what is, what's, you know, uh, I think there's all kinds of new protein lupin coming in mm-hmm. and really wonderful tasting things. Um, and to consider also the packaging, you know, I, I, I try to do a blender full at home instead of just buying the instant, uh, protein drinks because of all the packaging. But, um, just to make it easy, like uh, how do you travel with it? How do we take? How do you take it along with you? I don't know about you, but I've I've tried packing p- protein powder in baggies and you know a little blender. It's not, it's not necessarily that easy. So just to consider, how do you do it at work? How's it? What's the easiest mechanism to get the protein into a shake? How do you mix it into things? Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's we're busy. You know, so how to make it more accessible. But I love protein powders. I think they're fantastic. I love a great smoothie. Yeah, I love that advice. I think I think what I like about what you said for both plant-based meats and uh, as well as, you know, protein powders and energy bars and other things is that we can sometimes get too caught up with uh, focusing only on sound nutrition advice mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. forget practicalities of living in the modern world. 
Um, right. And, you know, while, yes, it is perfect, to, the, the right way to eat is to cook at home every day. But that's not mm -hmm. the world most of us live in. And, no. uh, you know, I try my best to do that, but I'm busy and most people are busy. And sometimes mm -hmm. you just need something that's convenient. But the important mm -hmm. factor then, I think you've, you've kind of really touched on that really well throughout today's episode, is that you have to be mindful. You have mm -hmm. to, don't just consume protein powders because you're afraid you're not getting enough protein and then have a Beyond Burger on top of that and then a few energy bars. Do it mm -hmm. because you know, wait, okay, I need a quick source of protein. I don't have time to cook beans today or soak mm -hmm. my lentils. So I'm going to throw that into a smoothie or I'm going to eat an energy bar. So... You know, I think, you know, your advice is very practical and I think that's important because uh, at the end of the day, we have to learn how to feed the world in a way that the world eats today. Um, mm -hmm. So any final tips in terms of, um, you know, since I touched on mindful eating for someone mm -hmm. who's trying to think through their day, uh, th mm -hmm. think through how much protein do I get, how much, you know, how many carbs mm -hmm. should I have and fats what what would a typical day look like um, if you had to have a perfect day or at least tell someone to have a good a day that, uh, of a balanced diet with good fats, clean proteins, and clean fats? So clean carbs, clean proteins, and clean fats. Right. And it's pretty easy. I mean, if you just think about like the, the, the most easy and ubiquitous food in any hotel even or at the airport is oatmeal. So oatmeal is so inexpensive and you can chop up some fruit and nuts, add a little soy milk on top or hemp milk or whatever kind of milk you want on top. That's super easy. I tend to make a pot of it and, and keep the leftovers for three days and just microwave the little glass container so it heats up again. But that's a wonderful clean protein. For lunch, I might have... Um, you know, a black bean burrito with pineapple salsa. I might have for dinner uh, lentil and tempeh sloppy joes. I might have a chicken of the woods mushroom sandwich. There's just so many wonderful ways you can get your protein that we put like four, I think 40 recipes into the book that are all plant-based and protein-rich recipes that are super easy to make. But it's just very, once you see that it's very simple food made to taste really good and it's all protein rich, once you see how much protein is in all these foods, it becomes, you, you become less panicked. Like, oh my God, I don't have to worry about getting protein. It's just kind of there. It's mm -hmm. all these foods are so protein rich and I'm getting my healthy fats. I'm eating avocado. I'm eating uh, chia seeds and flax. I'm eating nuts. So I'm getting all my healthy oils and complex carbohydrates and things. Yeah. And you eat green veggies, you're going to get all the, the right carbs that you need to get. So um, yes. I think yeah. that's just a basic, amazing, good health advice for everyone. Um, and we're, yeah. we're lucky to live in a time when you also have products that make it convenient and easy for us to get these clean products. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think this is this is amazing. And, you know, thanks so much for all your advice today. I'm going to close with one last question. Um, I ask this of all my guests. Um, if more people learn about the things that you're talking about today, if more and more people buy their book, buy your book, which I think they should, Clean Protein, available everywhere books are sold. Um, I, what kind of world do you envision, um, say, 30 years down the line, say in the year 2050? What is your vision for the for the for the world in terms of food when it comes to 2050? Mm. Well, I think menus flip. I think that where we are now, the great majority of menus have uh, chicken, beef, fish, and maybe a little, possibly a side dish of some vegetables or something that doesn't have any animal stuff in it. And I think I would love to see, and I think it's quite possible to see, um, menus everywhere at schools and restaurants and homes and in grocery stores that it's mostly plant-based protein, mostly plant-based items, and a little bit of animal food here and there. Personally, I don't, I don't like any animal food, but it's, it's, it's not going to go away. But I mm -hmm. think that we can see a, a complete flip of the menu. I think that's quite possible and quite probable. 
You're right. And I think thanks to books like this, like Clean Protein and the work that you're doing and the work that Bruce is doing at uh, the Good Food Institute, um, that is a very likely future we're going to see. So, Kathy Freston, thank you so much for your time today. Um, thank you, Neil. And thank, thank you, you for so this amazing much. book. Um, so to everyone listening, Eat for the Planet, Eat Clean Protein, buy the book. Thank you, Neil. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.